0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode ninety of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host Brad Rowan, and joining me, first time in a while, actually, is Rob. What's up, man?
1: Mm, not much, man. How are you doing? Congratulations on ninety episodes.
0: Yeah, I guess that's something to be congratulated on. I'm not sure that it is. I'm sure at least seventy eight yeah. of them were bad, but hey, ninety is a good number, I suppose. And uh, you know, it's a good day for us as Falcons fans. Um, mm-hmm. The Falcons won today, which uh, a lot of Braves uh, nation probably doesn't really care about. Um, but some of us do, and that was fun. Because, uh, you know, Atlanta Sports has not had the greatest time lately, as I know you, will, or you are well aware, and some of our listeners probably are. But, you know, the Hawks aren't very good right now. The Braves have been kind of a mess for a while, obviously, as we're going to talk about here in a moment. So it was nice to get a little win and uh, have some fun on this Sunday afternoon.
1: It was, yeah, especially like after last week and a heartbreak from that game, it was nice to have a rather convincing win as well.
0: Yeah, that was uh, it. Was actually kind of breezy, which is a nice change, to be sure. Uh, well, the, we do have to talk about the Braves, though, which is uh, unfortunate in some ways because uh, <laughs> nothing. Uh, you know, last week I was actually kind of confident um, when I talked to Eric last week that we were going to have some pseudo resolution from the MLB investigation, and that has not happened. Uh, in fact, uh, Jerry Krasnick reported from ESPN earlier this week that the resolution may not come until December. Which is uh, kind of wild when we we were all kind of waiting for the World Series to end and have it kind of be happening in the next couple of days after that, but you know that might be another month away now, which is kind of difficult to uh, to imagine. Um, actually, we got we got a question. I guess we kind of just start with this because I think it's, it's it's pretty interesting. From Joshua Lemon, he asks us, uh, "How harmful is the delay in, in the MLB investigation going to be?" with uh, just basically just in general with the Braves, whether that be with hiring a GM, uh, working on the roster, free agency, and he adds that it seems like it's sort of a punishment already. Uh, What's your general feeling right now? I mean, we haven't talked about this on the air. I just kind of see where you are and uh, how much you think this sort of affects the ongoing, uh, you know, task of building a baseball team that's going to be happening in the near future.
1: It would definitely be easier to have a GM in place to have represent your team in these winter meetings, but at the same time, this roster is so... There's so many holes in this roster that I luckily I'd, this year uh, that uh, I don't think it's too much of a problem. There's maybe like one or two free agents that, you know, really stick out. Someone like a JD Martinez who now is seeking perhaps the $200 million deal uh, based on what Scott Boris said. Not really $200 million, but he's seeking that kind of value. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that big of a problem just considering – the only top tier free agents that are available don't make sense for the Braves. A lot of these people will still be around going later and then I'm sure there's going to be trades. When there are, when there is a GM in place, but uh we have time. We have time to work with, luckily. It's yeah. not vital to have someone in place right now.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where I am too. Like it's not going to really burn the Braves all that badly. I don't think uh, I mean, if this drags into you know beyond that, then we might uh, you know if it's actually you know mid December and uh, there's uh, there's no resolution and we don't know anything about who's going to be running the team in the front office, that would be kind of brutal. Um, but I'm not worried yet about long-lasting ramifications uh, beyond the, just the weirdness of with it all that we're going to obviously talk about, um, just with the uh, the GM the higher and the search all that stuff. But just it's better to have some money in place. But uh, in general, uh, you know, most of the stuff early on, as you kind of said there, is not going to directly involve the Braves. It just kind of cuts down the window that you can make to make trades and things like that. Because uh, you know, more it seems more likely to me that this is going to be if there's going to be a big splash in terms of. Um the offseason it's gonna be in the form of a trade, not in the form of a signing. Um they're gonna sign somebody they're gonna sign somebody somewhere. Um, but I don't think they're going to be giving out a, a nine figure contract to anybody this to anybody this winter. I mean, I, I guess I could be wrong, but I'd be fairly surprised if they were suddenly going to be um, giving out that kind of cash just to one player. You know, there was the Mike Moustakis thing um, on LB Trade Rumors huh. a couple of weeks ago, and even then, I was only—I say only—it was only eighty-five million dollars over five years, which seems crazy to me. Uh, and we don't have to talk about that, but I don't—I don't think the Braves are going to be in on like the uber elite guys, and that's kind of the guys who usually fall first. If that makes sense?
1: Yeah. Just make sure. you Make sure to get the hire right. We'll worry about everything. It's not vitally important to build like like a crazy good roster and free agency and trades this year. Make the right hire. Get everything ready for next year. That's when you need to start making the 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 bigger the bigger acquisitions and the bigger uh, signings.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's pretty much concise and uh, kind of be what it is. Uh, obviously, let's talk about uh, who that hire is going to be because uh, there's been, uh, as you might imagine, some some more buzz this week. Um, originally, what we were going to leave with on this podcast was um, Mark Bowman uh, reporting uh, earlier this week that Jim Hendry and Alex Anthopoulos remain the options. Uh, that was the quote from Bowman. If the Braves cannot hire Dayton Moore to run their baseball office department. And uh, actually, on Sunday afternoon evening, Joel Sherman of the New York Post reported that Alex Anthopoulos is basically the frontrunner in his mind, according to some of his sourcing. I believe he actually says three sources. Um, is the says that Anthopoulos is the perceived frontrunner, although he does note that the Braves, quote, had badly wanted to hire Dayton Moore to run baseball operations after after the resignation last month of John Kapolewa. So um, yeah, I mean, it seems like the Braves are storming in the same spot that we kind of think that they were uh, the whole time is that they want Dayton Moore. Um, I don't love that, but uh, they certainly uh, not hidden that all that well, despite the fact that the Royals have not allowed him to talk with the Braves so far. But if, if Moore is off the table, we don't know that he is 100%. It looks like uh, at least at least this one report. And Joel Sherman's been pretty pretty well dialed in in the Braysport office in, in the last couple of months, kind of breaking a lot of things there. So uh, I'm, t- I'm tempted to sort of lean on him a little bit here as being um, a, 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 uh, a trustworthy voice in terms of um, Anthopolis and Henry and all that stuff. There's a lot of candidates been bandied out there. So I don't know how you feeling about just the general pool of guys that we keep hearing about because it's starting to center a little bit on you know two or three guys. There's been a lot of names that that have been bandied about. Um, you know, I guess first. Were you out of Dayton Moore if the Hawks, sorry, if the Hawks, if the Braves can pull that off, um, is that something that you'd be interested in? Or are you uh, more in line with uh, one of these other guys?
1: I would definitely try and get someone that is a different, is like a, a different line of thinking than what's already in the front office. And Dayton Moore has that history with the Braves. Although you can't like maybe his team, I honestly am a little surprised that they were able to win, you know, a world series and compete and that they had a window for that long at the highest level. So like, you can't take that away from him. Uh, but I would certainly like to get an outside's perspective. Um, the other ones, AA, uh, you know, he's he's had a few really good trades, a few really good um, free agent acquisitions. I know he signed – what was his biggest one, the Josh Donaldson trade? Still is probably one of the – you know, just an absolutely incredible trade that worked out for the uh, Blue Jays. Uh, but then – you know, he's also messed up to uh, the Vernon Wells, right? I think there was, I think he traded for... No, no, he traded Vernon Wells for Napoli, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, believe that, I believe that's true. And, you know, Vernon Wells he being Vernon Wells was interesting. <laughs> but, yes.
1: And he, he did great work with their farm system, too, even though he traded Noah Syndergaard and that one, you know, everyone knows about that trade, how it just didn't work out. But he's done a good job with building a roster and... And um, replenishing a farm system, which is kind of cool to see. You know, you don't normally, uh, you, you're not normally like that balanced. Um, he does seem to like spending big money on outfielders, so that's a little. Nah, nah I mean, I don't know. We have two locked in for, probably for a while with Acuna and, and, and Ciarte. Uh, so I, I I do like AA a lot. Uh, one that really intrigued me was Larry Beinfest from the Marlins. Uh that was
0: That was a DOB report this week, by the way. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. was, that was a new voice. That was a new name that I had not seen anywhere else, so apologies. I believe that was DOB that reported that first. Yeah.
1: That was yeah, it was definitely a DOB. And um for anyone that doesn't know what Binefest was able to do in two thousand five, he had a fifteen million dollar payroll and the Marlins were actually in the wild card race for quite some time for most of the season. Uh he doesn't you know he he's not a flashy name, but he's been successful, and he's had to work with like fifteen million dollar payroll. Like, what is that?
0: I mean, say that again. By the way, Fif- fifteen million one five, payroll. Um, not five
1: zero one five.
0: And and this this year, we were actually this became sort of a topic this week, and this is sort of an, an off the beaten path thing. But uh, on our Twitter account, people were sort of lamenting the lack of Braves spending money in it. You know, the Braves spent a, a nine figure amount, and uh, the Braves were in the bottom half of the league in spending this year at, with, with a nine figure payroll. Uh, 15 million dollars that's not that's not that's, that's not that long ago. that's 10 years ago yeah uh, that's that's an absolutely insane <laughs> amount of money spent on a 25 man baseball roster. It's just crazy
1: and he hit he hit on a lot of trades too like the Hanley Ramirez one was ended up being like massive for that and then he picked up Dan Ogle in the rule five draft and like I said, that team was somehow successful despite a 15 million dollar payroll and even then like he won I think he won two World Series with them or maybe maybe just one World Series. Despite having, you know, that kind of backing from from your owner, so I I, I was very intrigued by that name too. Uh, Henry is probably the lowest on my list, mainly because he spent a lot of money in free agency. Like that Alfonso Soriano contract was. Ugh. Um,
0: I am not a Henry. I, I'm not a Henry guy either. And neither yeah. was Eric. neither was Eric. We talked about this a little bit on last week's podcast with Eric. Uh, but yeah, I am. That's. That's the worst name, I guess, aside from maybe Dan Jennings, that's the worst name that I've heard so far. Uh, and, yeah. Jennings, so, and Jennings has kind of faded away. That was, I think it was Bowman that said that was never a thing that he'd even heard, that Jennings yeah. was even in the mix. But uh, you know, Hendry is, at least at the moment, my worst case scenario is John Hart and Jim Hendry together. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want any part of that, that's for sure.
1: I think he's only really hit on one huge free agent. And it wasn't even like, not huge free agent, but he's only really been very successful in one one of his signings and that was Marlon Byrd.
0: Shots to Marlon Bird, Atlanta yeah, I
1: mean, He he did he did solid you know, three for yeah, three year fifteen million dollar contract and he did really well. Uh yeah, he's probably the lowest on my list. I'd probably put AA at the top just because he's pretty well balanced between com- creating a com- competitive roster while being able to have a top farm system.
0: Yeah, this is not a surprise, by the way, but in that same uh, article from Joel Sherman, I should note that uh, he basically outlines the scenario that we kind of all expect, is that if the Braves can get Dayton Moore, that's going to cost John Hart his job. Um, but if the Braves do not, do not get Dayton Moore, it seems like John Hart's going to survive. I don't think they're – it's not impossible that they could hire over him, but I think uh, the only name that's been baiting it out so far that seems like it could be the president of baseball operations job with Hart going away is – Dayton Moore. Uh, In in the midst of this reporting, it's basically, you know, John Hart would stay if they don't get Dayton Moore. So, uh, so, I mean, and also um, that um, in the same piece, it says that sources say John Hart continues to have the ear of Braves chairman and CEO Terry McGurk, and that Hart actually favors Alex Anthopoulos over Jim Hendry as the other principal uh, candidate. So, I mean, there are pluses and minuses there. I I, I personally do not want John Hart to stick around, um, but I guess, you know, Hart and Anthopoulos together would be so bad i don't know it's weird
1: i just i'm really fond of anthopolis and how he was able to create that roster while you know working on his farm system i think it's it's pretty unique and he he hasn't hit on all of his free agent signings and that kind of stuff but he still he still has a really good track record and i'd like to see what he can do with the farm system a farm system that's already built uh see how he can like work the trade market yeah we'll, we'll see what happens. is probably at the top of my list right now.
0: Yep. I think we're in the uh, same spot, um, there on that one t- to be sure. Uh, we can get away from that a little bit. Obviously that's been the central topic and it's the biggest topic for a reason. Um, with that said, uh, the Braves did announce their, they finally announced, I should say their coaching changes this off Um, with Eddie Perez and Terry Pendleton out the door with Walt Weiss coming in as the bench coach, Eric young senior and Sal Asana was the name We had not heard at least publicly yet as the hitting coach. Um, any thoughts on that? I know I've asked everybody else I think um, possible about this, and it was sort of the worst kept secret in the world that Eddie yeah. and Terry were going to be gone. But Fasano kind of came out of—I don't, I don't want to say nowhere—but that was not that was not publicly known necessarily before that was announced. So, any thoughts on those uh, three? You know, on, the, on those three guys being uh, now on the bridge bench with Brian Snicker?
1: I mean, no, no, not really. I don't really think the impact from those guys are massive. Uh, I do know that Salfasano has a glorious mustache, so oh, that, will do, that might be able to help. Yes, uh, that
0: was the central topic of conversation um, <laughs> offline, and at least I think on, online and offline after that was uh, Salfasano's mustache. So.
1: Yeah, I just don't, I can't really gauge the impact that these coaches have. Uh, you're talking about coaching professional athletes, they're already pretty set in their ways. Uh, it's sad to see you know, a couple of brave legends go away, but you know, this is necessary. I understand. I understand the the need to get new, a new look to the entire, uh, coaching staff and front office. Um, but yeah, I'm like, I really don't know how much of an impact these guys make.
0: I'm with you. I, we, we did get one mailbag question today. And I thought it was always pseudo interesting. And that was, uh, can't remember, honestly I forgot to, write, forgot to write it down so I apologize and I am not remembering uh, who asked me this question but um the question was that um you know because Walt Weiss has managerial experience would he be the, sort of would he be the first guy that you would think of to replace snicker midseason if snick got fired midseason which could certainly happen mm-hmm. um I guess my answer would be probably because normally, normally it's the bench coach and uh, I think that's probably why you bring in Walt Weiss is to have somebody with some experience but Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know.
1: No, that makes a whole lot of sense.
0: I mean, that's that's totally uninformed speculation. But uh, normally, your bench coach gets the first look, and he would be the only guy. I mean, you, you do have Ron Washington too. So I like think it would certainly be one of those two guys. Mm-hmm. I'd be pretty shocked if it wasn't one of those two that got the got the look. I'm not sure it necessarily would be Weiss, but um, you know, it kind of depends on. I mean, especially if John Hart's around, because you know, John Hart just made this hire. Um, I can't. I mean, you have to assume that John Hart just made those coaching hires because. Uh, he's the only guy left in the front office essentially. So, uh, yeah, Walt Weiss or Raw Washington would be your, uh, your two candidates. I'd imagine if and one Snicker were to be fired, which I think is uh, fairly likely. And that has not, that doesn't have that much to do with snicker. Honestly, I think it's just, um, if this team isn't going to be good this year, um, there'll be a time when they lose seven in a row and you look at the manager and say, all right, you're not signed. You're not signed beyond this year. It's time to, it's time to go.
1: Um, I will say one thing, uh, Snicker was at the uh, – I, I, he was lucky enough – I was lucky enough to work the uh, Brian McCann celebrity softball game and uh, Night Before Bash for the Rally Foundation, and Snicker was there, and he still doesn't have a mustache. So,
0: Oh, Snick. Uh,
1: yeah. I'll, I'll create a new Twitter account called, like, Snicker Mustache Wash or something like that.
0: We need it. I think people need <laughs> that to get us through November, especially if we don't hear anything of about the uh, investigation. It's going to be all the content we can handle <laughs> in the month of November. Um, all right, let's get away from all that because I want to. Um, uh, well, I have you, um, you know, prospect guru that you are. You know, don't tell Eric I said this, but I think I'm going to lean on you heavily as the prospect guy at the moment. So <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Um, Arizona Fall League is happening, and there's been uh, some more visible stuff recently with some prospects. You know, Ron Acuna was on television the other night, for instance. Um, anything you wanted to, to, to discuss, throw out there? There's been a lot of talk about. Obviously, Acuna is the centerpiece of everything ever. But uh, some Max Free talk lately, some Alex Jackson love in, in Arizona, all that kind of stuff. Anything that has jumped out to you that we should be uh, thinking about slash talking about? I know you guys did some Road to Atlanta stuff as well recently. So tell people, people what, what, what they should be paying attention to right now.
1: Definitely the Ronald Acuna power. Uh, he was graded with almost a 70-grade power rating, which is something I, didn't, I never thought of before. But uh, it's on display. He hit two more in the, on the game on Saturday, now leads the league with seven. Uh, Austin Riley's continues his incredible second half well not second half of the season but you know a second half of like the calendar uh, he is second in the league with six home runs and then Alex Jackson has five at one point last week the Braves had the three um, the they had three players tied for the league lead in Homers which is kind of nice to hear from a team that pretty much is not devoid of power but uh don't have really in many intriguing power options, so just uh, stay strong. That help is coming pretty soon. Uh, on the other side, Max Freed still hitting ninety-seven on the radar gun. He's becoming a real, you know, he's a, becoming a real option be, to possibly steal a spot in the rotation to start the season off, which I'm very excited about. Like. I really enjoy watching him pitch, and I'm sure you will too. Uh, other than that, you know, Jared James has been solid. At, we had a question about him on our on road to Atlanta last week, and about asking about his uh, possible MLB, um, MLB like uh, floor not not floor, but his. Wow, I am totally blanking on the word right now. <laughs>
0: Uh, let's see, I didn't hear it, so ceiling, floor, ceiling. arrival, yeah, ceiling. There you go. Okay. ceiling
1: okay, and like Jerry James is a 34th <laughs> round pick, and he's like legitimately could be legitimately could be making an MLB roster, he could, he's a pretty decent outfielder he makes tons of contact and this it's really, what really sucks is everything that happened with Copy because they hit on a lot of drafts and uh, it's really cool to have a person in the 34th round actually possibly make a roster uh but that's a far far stretch from from right here uh getting back into the the sexy people in the afl uh they're doing well and you guys should be super excited i'm really excited to hear about alex jackson making stride as a catcher
0: yeah that's actually one question we got so i'm gonna ask you about that um it was, came from patrick mollett he said you know if, if alex jackson does really well AAA this year uh, his question was sort of like essentially do the Braves have any impetus to move off of one of the two veteran catchers they have Uh, obviously they have Flowers and Suzuki for next year Um, but if Jackson uh, I think it's probably a little bit getting ahead of ourselves talking about him uh, sort of making an impact in 2018 but I guess it speaks to just how people are excited about Jackson and I guess how quickly could he arrive because you know if he hits like this and with some positive signs at catcher it could be a relatively quick movement from him
1: yeah honestly I, I don't See him playing in the majors next year, so I don't think this is going to actually be a problem that we have to think about.
0: Agreed, but still, it's fun to think (laughs) about.
1: Best case scenario, I don't, I guess Tyler Flowers would have the best trade value since he's younger and he's a better framer, so I guess they would possibly see Flowers as a, yeah, I guess Flowers, (laughs) but it's not going to happen.
0: Agreed uh, on all that. I just think it's uh, people getting. I understand why people get excited about Jackson because, you know, the bat was never that big of a concern. It was all about if he can catch. I mean, it kind of changes his um, equilibrium a whole lot. And I, I think people I mean, when the Braves went and got him, it was clear that they were going to try him at catcher. But like, he wasn't even playing catcher in Seattle, so it was mm-hmm. like almost like that was dead. And then the Braves were like, "No, we're gonna we're gonna play you there." And uh, <laughs> I think you know, I I personally haven't seen a ton of him so far, but i you know, i've read a ton and it's not like he's this like he's not he's not playing rodriguez in his prime but like if he's playable at catcher that really helps
1: yeah uh, from everything i've read and everything i've seen he's not going like easily the best i would say the best receiving and framing catcher we have is lucas herbert cade zaviga is actually not is really good too and people love the players i've talked to absolutely love the way both of them call games but if, you're gonna have a, if you have a catcher that's going to have like an 850 OPS, you know, you're going to have to play him. And uh, real quick, speaking of catchers and Tyler Flowers, randomly I stumbled upon this stat. Did you know uh, in 2008, he led the AFL with 12 home runs. He finished the AFL uh, season with a 1.433 OPS in 2008.
0: You'll be surprised to know that I did not know that. I, I, <laughs> was, not, I, was, not, I was not aware of Tyler Flowers' AFL exploit, so... Uh, signs of things to come for Alex Jackson, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God bless Tyler Flowers. He's been very good at baseball. Yeah.
1: He's actually probably been one of our most more impressive free agent signings.
0: Oh, that was an absolute, yeah. you know, grand slam of a, a free agent signing that no one expected. And like I don't think anybody, including the Braves, thought he was gonna be what he's been the last mm-hmm. two years, because like he's been out of his mind. Um but yeah, it's been uh, that's been a heist of all heists. So that was been uh, it's been fun because you know, and I I think about, I try to not think about this uh, this kind of stuff, but I try to think a little bit at least occasionally when I'm trying to do some actual analysis, like what would have happened if they didn't have Tower Flowers being awesome at catcher, because like that was one of the few um, lineup bright spots, especially two years ago, but even this year, um, yeah, they they needed it too in a big way.
1: It's it's been ha- Suzuki and Flowers that combo last year was
0: outrageous Unreal.
1: i can't believe it i still can't believe it and i watched it
0: i mean it was like a top five catching duo in baseball yeah I and mean, suzuki for, for like had, five million dollars total
1: <laughs> i think my favorite stat that i saw was suzuki had more home runs and like 276 plate appearances than anybody on the giants
0: <laughs> i mean yeah i believe that i mean suzuki but i mean it's funny to say this because we just talked about how crazy the Flowers uh, sort of surge was. But Suzuki doing what he did last year was even more surprising because he yeah. hadn't hit in a long time. Like that was a pure, we're going to sign a backup catcher to just be solid and play defense kind of thing. And he suddenly turned into...
1: He almost puts together a three-war season in 88.
0: preposterous. Like preposterous <laughs> as a pure backup. Like it wasn't as if Tyler Flowers got hurt for this like lengthy amount of time. Like... Suzuki played less than half the season. Like I don't know, that's wild, man. They were great. We could talk about them forever, but uh, they were very, very good. Um, okay, that's you know AFL is going to keep going. At some point, we'll do like a actual like massive AO- AFL recap when it's all said and done, and I can look at it more. Um, but still, there's that. Uh, last thing in terms of uh, like actual topics is that. People got really upset when we wrote about this this week, but uh, Keith Wall of uh, ESPN included Ender Enciarte on, on this list of players that he said uh, basically should uh, be, at least be considered to be trade pieces. Um, he did note that uh, he thinks that Enciarte is potentially a top 10 trade asset in all of baseball, which is lofty praise, obviously, and probably deserved praise. Um, but on the heels of him wearing a second straight gold glove, too, it's been an interesting week for Ender Enciarte. We talked about this a lot last last winter when Ncarte was a sort of a hot name that like could be moved and sort of like when the Braves were very very active in their copywood like basically everyone was available at one at one time or another. Since then we have not really heard anything about Ncarte being available because he's frankly awesome and cheap. Um, but was that something you'd even look at? Like I, I mean, everybody's available for a price, but is he even consideration that he could actually be moved in the near future?
1: I. This is kind of tough. I I wouldn't want to see him go just because with how cheap his contract is and with the possible trajectory of this roster improving like very quickly, I'd love to have him in center for a long time paired with Acuna. Um, I guess it really just depends on what kind of return you would get. It would have to be, you know, MLB ready talent in exchange for him. Uh, I wouldn't, and I don't think he will be traded it sucks to hear that well I, yeah it's not gonna happen what am i talking about
0: it's not yeah it's and, and it wasn't like law was reporting that he's going to be like it was it was just him putting a yeah. well, one of those fun offseason lists together <laughs> um and yeah and like i don't want to go i mean we, we don't need to go down like the list of top trade assets but it isn't it crazy to think he would be on the extreme short list of those guys given his Given the control and the cheapness and just the consistency that he's had, like he's been, in, you know, basically all-star level player for uh, his entire time in Atlanta and even his last year in Arizona, like he's a, you know, top six or seven center fielder in the entire league. Yeah, and makes no money, like not no money, but like basically no money. And, he, and it's not like he's under control for one more year. He's got he's got he got multiple years left on his contract too. Like you could get a haul for him. It's just. Uh, at a certain point, when you want to field a, a competitive roster and the Braves do, like if they were still in the full teardown, then maybe, but they clearly want to win. Whether they are set up to win now or close to it is another question. But I think the Braves are done with at least trying to not win, if that makes yeah, sense. Like, just, they're, you know, it doesn't make sense to trade him now, I don't think.
1: And like, if you're going to trade him, you want MLB ready players now, right? This right. is the next phase in their. He's too, he's too good to not. Yeah. yeah. And it makes no sense to trade. I mean, what kind of talent would you have to get that wouldn't block a top level prospect for him?
0: Yeah. I mean, and there isn't even, if they really like Austin Riley in the way that we keep hearing, you know, DOB wrote about them, like not wanting to block Austin Riley. Like that's the only spot was, yeah. third, was third base. And if they're suddenly in love with Austin Riley, like that's the only place that they, they could have potentially looked um, to, for that kind of guy. So yeah, it's, it's a tough spot. I don't think it's going to happen. I just thought it was, you know, it's interesting podcast fodder, and uh, we had to write about it because it's something that's interesting and we will mm-hmm. get a reaction. But uh, I don't think anybody wants to see that happen unless it's some crazy package. Because, like, obviously, you know, any, anybody's available if somebody blows you out of the water with a Dave Stewart-like offer um, for for Nertzio Arte. But yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening probably.
1: Yeah, it make it makes sense in theory, but it's not something that that won't be executed.
0: For sure, that makes uh, complete sense. Uh, before I let you get out of here, man, one interesting mailbag question, at least a pseudo-interesting one, is uh, came from Jeff Schnitzer, and he asks, is 2018 a make-or-break season for Mike Fultonavich? And the question was asked through the prism of uh, guys like Colby Allard, Mike Soroka, Kyle Wright, like all these guys sort of being on the horizon now. Is this sort of a make-or-break year for Fultonavich? Because people are getting restless with Uh There were signs of positivity this year, but I think... Uh, it's an interesting question. Just the fact that it's being asked kind of says a lot, honestly.
1: It, it it's it's a it's, wow, I really stumbled with my words there. It is an interesting concept, but it's really tough to be an MLB starting pitcher. And who knows if any of these three, like the ones that you named, have the capability of being a top flight starter. So there's really not too much pressure on him right now. Maybe in like two years and these people have and like Aller and Soroka, right? Johara, these these uh, they put together really strong campaigns. Then there's really any threat for Fulty, but I really he's got a spot
0: yeah. in my opinion. Th- that's kind of where I am too, because I think it's it's certainly reasonable to think that he's not gonna become a top flight guy. Um, yeah. Like he could be still. There's still the talent there to do some better things than he's been so far. But um, even if you just told me he was gonna be what he's been the last, you know, two seasons that guy is worth a lot of money and he's making no money. If that makes sense. Like you would, you would pay if it was, you know, two, you, you, you would pay an eight figure contract per year. If you were just guaranteed what fault done the last two years. Like, yeah,
1: absolutely. He's still, he's still almost a two war player.
0: Yeah. Like they they basically went out last, last winter and paid uh, a bunch of money to Bartolo Colon and Ari Dickey. Um, Probably thinking they would get similar production to what Mike Foltyng has done in the last two years. Uh,
1: that's that's perfect. Yeah, That's, you know a, what I mean? that's a great way to, to to phrase it.
0: Like it's not. I mean, it's it's unfortunate to think that Fulton may not get there. Quote unquote, get there. But like, they're not going to be running him out of town either. If he just does that. Like, if he's suddenly the guy he was in his first stint with a with an ERA in the mid fives, then yeah, that gets you that gets you more on the on the chopping block. But if he's going to post an ERA in the low to mid fours. It's not going to be like super exciting for anybody, but, um, you know, as a pre-arb guy making no money, like that's super valuable. It just if, is. If the
1: question was, could I see either of those guys overtaking him? The answer would be yes. Yeah, of course. But so. if, is 2018 a breaking point? To which I say absolutely not.
0: No, yeah. I mean, it's you'd have to see him. Kind of implode for him to like just be a non-factor beyond 2018. He'd have to yeah. either get hurt or just absolutely implode in 2018, which I don't see either of those happening. And of course, it's possible. Obviously, injury, especially, is possible for any pitcher, especially somebody that throws hard like he does, and etc uh, etc et But yeah, I'm not I'm not overly worried about Fulty in the sense that I think he will be a functional rotation piece um, as long as he's healthy, which is is fine. He may not be this guy that people thought was going to be awesome, uh, and I, I still don't think. I don't know. It's a weird spot because of the trade and what you gave up to get him and uh, just sort of the context. I was never as blown away with him as other people were, but uh, his ceiling is a little bit higher than what we've seen so far. So I guess it, there's still time for him to reach it. But he's not that young either. He's 26. It's not like it's, I mean, he's not, that's not that old either, but it's, it's at one of those breaking points where um, at a certain point you kind of are what you are. And at 26, you're not quite there yet. Like he could still be better, obviously, but it's not like he's 23 either.
1: I mean, if if worst case scenario he ends up being a career two war player per season, Great. he can still have a very very long successful MLB career.
0: That's a by the way, that's a huge win. If you just get a guy like, you know, this year he was it was 1.8 Fangraphs war. Um year before that was 1.3, but that was in less endings, and it probably was about the same path as this year like that's a, that by the way that, that's a that's a, a success story. <laughs> uh-huh. That's the thing like people it's going to happen with one of these other guys too, I'm sure, or more, or more of them, like you know, Mike Soroka or Colby Allen. One of these guys is going to be like an okay major league pitcher for a long time, and people are going to be like, "Oh, what a bust!" And it's like, no, actually, like that's a big win. If you
1: and then in their first free agent year, they're going to get like an eighty million dollar contract.
0: Yeah, look around at <laughs> some of the money that some of these guys who we think are just these blah names get in the free agent market. Like like Mike Pelfrey has made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And Mike Pelfrey's like openly mm-hmm. bad. Like, Mike Pelfrey, wow. you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's like my that's like my guy. That's like he's actually bad, but still makes money every year somewhere. And it's just
1: it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do, yeah. and it, it's just yeah. I think people just have to be a little more realistic with expectations. Of course, that's very easy to say.
0: Oh yeah, I mean. It, it's absolutely true, though. It's just I think it's important to remind people, like, that being a pretty good major league pitcher, or like a functional starter that people are comfortable with, is like hugely valuable. It's just something you have to remember and consider and all that fun stuff. Because I don't know, man. People get really carried away. I'm looking at uh, just as a uh, little bit of a stopgap here. I'm looking at last year's uh, contracts that were handed out in terms of a uh, money and uh, some uh, some average annual value st- stuff from last year's free agent market and the starting pitchers. It was a bad market by the way. Uh, Rich Hill got 48 million dollars with huge with with huge injury injury concerns. Yvonne Nova got 3 years 26 million before he was better in Pittsburgh. Um, Edison Volquez got 2 for 22 in Miami. Uh Jeremy Helison got the qualifying offer for 17 million dollars. Yeah. As a guy who's not great at baseball, uh, Jason Hamill got eight million dollars a year. Uh, yeah, Bartolo Colon obviously got big money from the Braves. Uh, yeah, it's all these. If you go down the list, man, like that, this wasn't even a huge market, and it was still like you got to know like pitchers that are okay make money. for Man,
1: like Volquez still made um, eleven million dollars, and he was a one war player. So
0: yeah, and that was like probably better than I you think he would have been. Like he was yeah bad. Uh, going into the, I mean, in, same thing with the relief market, by the way. Like, Brett Cecil got like $30 million guaranteed money last last winter to be a weird pseudo reliever in St. Louis. Anyway, <laughs> so there's that. Uh, without, <laughs> without going too deep, I could probably read just, just read contracts for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, uh, that's just that's what happens in November when nothing's going on and uh, the investigation is ongoing. Um, well, thank you, sir, for joining me for this rambling, uh, incoherent podcast. But, uh, <laughs> anything else you want to get out there, uh, Garav? I really appreciate you coming on, man. But anything uh, you want to plug, please do it. Plug Road to Atlanta and all that fun stuff.
1: Awesome, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, my, you know, I'm over on uh, Road to Atlanta as well, and I would like to actually like announce a format change that we're having. Yeah, get it out there. Pretty cool. Uh, for the next like several weeks, we'll be interviewing prospects and players about like their up their rate like their uh, upbringing um the ways they train how do they stay you know in these like incredible how do, you, how do you stay like where do you get the wherewithal to maintain being a top athlete in your entire um sport and like the players that we're having coming on that we have lined up so far um mike soroka lane adams my favorite well not favorite but the the one that intrigues me a lot right now is we're gonna have darian cruz uh joining us on the podcast and i'm really want to know the dynamic of having to go from the dominican republic to coming over to the u.s and what he's had to learn culturally and what he's had to adapt to and what he hopes to retain like his culture from the dominic it's, it's going to be a lot of fun it's going to be a very different type of format, a different, very different type of uh, podcast that's normally related to baseball. So uh, I'm super excited about it. And I hope you guys uh, take a listen.
0: Yeah, I definitely recommend that podcast for sure. You know, Rhode Island is always good, but it's even uh, even more interesting now. Get a couple of uh, just different just different angle on things and uh, sort of a new uh, new style and very interesting, especially in the offseason, because there's only so much talk you can do about certain things. Offseason, so uh, check something else that's new, uh, and we'll do our best uh, over here to round up everything. In the meantime, well, uh, thanks again, man. I uh, really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. I will have you back shortly. You can blame Eric for not having you on more because Eric always takes all the air time. Uh, Eric and Scott, especially he, those guys, are the worst. No, I'm just kidding. Those guys are great, but uh, I do appreciate you having. I appreciate having you, sir, and uh, please come back.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, and sorry for forgetting the word ceiling.
0: That was uh, actually quite funny. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. There'll be no editing there. We're uh, going to hear all about the um, grub's inability to find the word ceiling. So uh, trust me, man. I, I stumble over my words all the time, so uh, no hard feelings here, I, I promise. Uh, you should see me try to start a podcast by myself, and uh, sometimes I'll have three or four attempts before I actually continue. What's bad.
1: what's even worse is when I was struggling with the word, I looked up at my ceiling, and I still couldn't (laughs) remember the word (laughs) seal
0: that is what i do when i can't think of something start (laughs) looking to the sky like for help from something uh whether it be a ceiling fan or something else Um, anyway we're rambling now but thank you sir i will see you very shortly on the podcast for sure absolutely Uh, (laughs) as for everybody else please subscribe to the show on audio not audio podcast uh, Apple Podcasts, and uh, if nothing else, check out talkie Chop every single day. We're always uh, up to date with your current information. Uh, something will happen soon with the investigation, and when it does, we'll be here, I promise. So uh, subscribe, do a lot of fun stuff. See you guys.